Welcome to the Football Ramble. Potch is off again. Some chairmen are being weird and the fixtures are out. The fixtures, everyone. It's Thursday, the 16th of June. I'm Jim Campbell. I'm Andy Brassel. <laughs> Yes, everybody, the Palace coup has taken hold. It's me hosting today um, here with Andy and Vish. Obviously, they've sabotaged the intro line immediately because they, they are children. Well, I, didn't, they... I didn't see which one of you did it. So, you, you know, you're, you, you're, all, done this you're before, all suffering. You? You're all suffering. <laughs> like I mean, a teacher. I turned, with power. I turned to you, Andy, as and I Jim. did it, and you smiled. And you, you were for a, for a brief moment, you were a co-conspirator there. You're saying, and, you, and straight away you threw me in it. Are, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you saying you only do this for my approval? Yes. I mean, I, I, I was, approve. I, I <laughs> what a touching moment. I thought you, um, I thought you overcame that very well because it's quite subtle. Because it, it, so I changed it on the running order to Tim Campbell. Yeah. So it still it's, has the hat of the J. It's classic. But it doesn't have the tail. Yeah, that little jet. curl. Gone, yeah. gone. Nearly threw me, but it didn't. But anyway, the, the, <laughs> the fixtures are out. It's like Christmas morning, isn't it? It's, oh, it's so brilliant. No, it's like January run, the 1st. Run down and, run, boy, run down and find me the <laughs> finest fixture that you can. It, no, it's like January the 1st and you get a new calendar. It's like, oh, fucking hell, Christmas is coming. <laughs> yeah. We're at the same time every year. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, very nonplussed about fixtures. Um... And then, obviously, I saw Arsenal's opening. Thought, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Here we I mean, fucking go. There is narrative all over that. Hello. If you've, if you've missed it, it, Arsenal go to Crystal Palace. on the. So it'll be the Friday night game as well, won't it? Because it's the opening day of the season. Under that the lights. That has got peril written all over it from my point of view. It has. And normally, say, in Germany, when they bring the Bundesliga fixtures out, they will have the champions, Bayern, playing on the, the Friday night to open it and they've often did that in France they had a Friday night where That's the champions, quite a good idea. The champions yeah. would open it whereas the Premier League have essentially just put Arsenal away against challenging opposition that will still be humiliating to lose yeah. to on the first night just for Bantz well, it's like a sequel to Arsenal-Brentford isn't it yeah. Brentford-Arsenal well, do, exactly. do you remember before that it was Arsenal-Fulham and then you smashed them. Yes. And it was... It, oh, it, it Willian had the game of his life. Yeah. yeah. And, and <laughs> what a lie was, that game was. Everyone was writing those pieces to be like, I actually think it's a smart bit of business, actually, Willian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Lord. yeah, I feel like even that was, that uh, game was put out there for Arsenal to fuck up. It just didn't go quite go to script. So yes. mm. just keep doing it. We mentioned a little while ago as well that um, Arsenal are inevitably going to lose to Nottingham Forest at the city ground. And that fixture is in the penultimate week of the season. So that, uh, <laughs> that is... The, the narrative has been set up nicely so it's like I feel this, like this season's Newcastle away <laughs> yeah very much yeah. so yeah. very much so yeah. I noticed they've got Newcastle away in the last month of the season again oh, good, just for good that Lord. I'll, I'll be expecting you for that Jim yeah I, sh- I shouldn't <laughs> dread this I shouldn't dread my team playing <laughs> but, uh, but such is such is, such is what Arsenal do to you as a fan um, the promoted teams are um, Forest go to Newcastle on the opening date Fulham host Liverpool I'd like that. and Bournemouth have got Villa so that'd be, be interesting for them it's it's an interesting one for the for the for promoted teams, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I'm very. They're, I mean, that's it's more in it for those fans. Yeah, you know. Yeah, totally. I'm very excited about the prospect of seeing Nottingham Forest first game back in the top yeah. flight. I'm very excited at about Newcastle that. as well. It's a particularly yeah. '90s clash. That yeah, yeah. I think that's what is. they're here for. That's what they want. I think it is. Nothing says you're back in the Premier League like an away game where you're stuck on level seven and the players are all little dots. <laughs> and that's exactly what those Forest fans are going to get. Yeah. yeah. They sure are, sure are. So, um, 
Liverpool play four of the big six immediately after each of their six Champions League group stage games. So that's um, that's a tough one for Des Kelly. Isn't that the isn't that the better way around though? Because if you're going to play, like obviously it doesn't quite work like this, but if you're going to play teams after Champions League games and you have to do that, yeah, I can't just have a week mm. off. Um, why not play team? You know, would it be it's better to play teams who are also in Europe? Yeah, I suppose so. That's that's a good way of looking at it. It's a bit of a kind of leveller, isn't it? In terms yeah. of because um, essentially both coaches then have that excuse. Yes. So yeah, yeah. And exactly. both coaches will still use it, I will imagine. Um, but it is possibly a fairer way of doing it. They've also they've scrapped that round of fixtures between Boxing Day and New Year to ease the load. Which credit where it's due, I think is is absolutely necessary because as things were, the World Cup was going to finish, and obviously Arsenal, uh, Arsenal, obviously England are going to win that. It's not 1998. Um, <laughs> So if you know for players going deep in the World Cup, they would then that would finish on the twenty first of December. The, the first round of fixtures were going to be on the twenty sixth, and it just would have been too much. So that that's that's good, right? They do yes. get some decisions right, but they're still playing on the twenty sixth, though, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, they're playing on the twenty sixth and the thirty first. So yeah, they're, still they're playing, still playing two in the games middle. in less than a week. Oh, good lord! No, so like, it's, yeah, also, it's, also, it's, also <laughs> New Year's New Year's Eve is a Saturday this year as well. So we're going to have a full fixture program on New Year's Eve. I mean, as someone who's not really bothered about going out on New Year's Eve, I quite enjoy that. But it's yeah. kind of shit for everyone else. It is. It is. But, you know, what can you do? The year's got to tick over. Isn't it? <laughs> and we can't not have football all the time. Yeah. So there's also no meetings between the Big Six, uh, so-called Big Six, on the weekend before the start of the World Cup following a request from the FA. Again, I think that's just sensible, isn't it? It's what Gareth Southgate has been talking about. And it makes sense to just help the national team in that situation. It does, but I, I think it feels like they're saying the quiet part out loud here because I feel, I feel like in the month leading up to that World Cup, certain players will probably look over their shoulder and think, I should fancy getting injured before a World Cup actually I wouldn't mind just you know but is that is that not the same as is that is that not the same as during like any May before a normal summer World Cup I think the difference is you're not playing games that are going to make or break your team season that's a good point that is a good point I know there are lots of horrendous mainly human rights issues surrounding this World Cup forget the scheduling but in terms of the scheduling I've said this loads of times this could actually be the best World Cup on the pitch that we've had for a very long time because the players won't all be completely baked. Yeah. Oh, you, you don't mean stone, do you? You mean like knackered? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's that that's a good the point. best World Cup we've ever seen. Yeah, I would watch that. Although, like, generally, World Cups in hot countries are quite, um, you know, quite docile, aren't they? Yes. In terms of style of play, we remember so. South Africa being real. Yes. real. Yeah, it felt like you played in those games watching them. Didn't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just witnessing it. But yeah, that, that's a good thing. And I, I think we've mentioned it before that it feels like that's about the time of the season where players are peaking mm. in terms of like physical fitness yeah. and, and things like that. So yeah, is there know. a danger though with such a short summer break that they're just going to be exhausted? Yeah, I mean, obviously the nations... they get paid enough though, don't they? They do actually. Yeah, so, the, the, the Nations League has sucked away all that optimism yeah, around international football, and it was it was interesting listening to the ramble yesterday and um, this sense of, you know, England are running out of time. They don't know where they're going. And you would be amazed the amount of international teams are feeling the exact same thing at the moment. Yeah, exactly. They're, exactly. They're, they're not alone in that. It's all academic, isn't it? Because as Vish points out, if you earn enough money, lactic acid isn't an issue. Um, <laughs> we've been talking about international football for a little while, um, which means we've not heard anything weird from Watford. Uh, but don't worry. 
um, because Scott Duxbury has stepped up. Yesterday, he slammed Ben Foster for his utterly wrong YouTube videos and said he was fined by the club for continuing to make them when he promised he would stop. Duxbury said, we want a culture of excellence at Watford. Those videos were not that. Is he having a go at the production value? It sounds like this, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah I'm really more of a jackmate man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so why aren't you part of the side, man? Yeah, the SEO's all over the shop. <laughs> this is rubbish. Um, Too many ads. Did, like, you know, Watford's problems are, are vast, and one of the things is, like, the attachment to the club and the fact that players never feel... Like, you never get the impression from the outside that the players really do give a shit about playing for Watford Football Club. And mm. I think the fans kind of cotton on to that. And it was quite a weird atmosphere at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, going to Vicarage Road for, you know, the, I was there for the penultimate game of the season, I think, against Everton. Actually, no, a few games before. It's certainly the penultimate home game of the season. And the atmosphere was so weird because everyone felt disconnected. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of think the Ben Foster videos were quite a good way of connecting with him at least yeah. and like certainly seeing the ins and outs of the club certainly yeah. a lot better than any anything they've done to promote you know the envi- the team environment there however yeah. bad or good it was I mean that might be Duxbury's issue though that it's more about connecting with Foster than the club and I think part of the issue with, with that Watford has isn't it that the, the culture there has become one of kind of transience almost like you don't no one's really going to Watford thinking oh, I'm going to stay there for years and years I know they have players that do that but it, it is now seen as a destination where you, you go and it's almost like a like a Rental villa, it's yeah, like well, <laughs> an Airbnb of a club in terms of your yeah, career. Yeah, everyone's out for themselves. Exactly. Yeah, and, and I suppose like as, as you know, as charming as Foster may come across on those videos, he's doing them for himself and for his own brand. No, but that's it? isn't that the problem that clubs want to feel from a media perspective that they're in control of everything. Yeah, true. I think if you're smarter, you lean into this. Like, say, Wickham are a very good example of a club that you know they've let um, Marcus Bean. Um, Gareth Ainsworth has done the same with um, Adebayo Akinfenwa, like letting them have like players who are in the back end of their career, in the foster zone, yeah. if you like, <laughs> letting them move into the media or into like, you know, a part of that, build a career after football, like yeah. recognising them as people. Yeah. And I think a club that understands personnel issues better and understands human relations a bit better, like has dialogue with him about it, not coats him off about it in public. Yeah, and I true. think it is giving, I agree with you, I think it's given a positive image to Ben Foster and by implication to to Watford because there are so few players that you properly associate with them. This might be, though, uh, this might be Scott Duxbury trying to have a boxing match with Ben Foster. It's big in the YouTube scene now. YouTube is yeah, fighting each other. They do box. And they just kind of randomly call each other out. That's why and we don't do much feuds. on YouTube ourselves. We're terrified. Yeah. We're going to get do... beaten up by, like, KSI. We'd have to put He'd Andy smash up, me to pieces. Yeah, we'd have annual duels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, duels are more of a roast battle with the two of you, actually. I'd like to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Watford fans must be frustrated by this by this sense of just constant churn at the club. But yeah. um, it's a big season for them, actually. It isn't is. It? It, yeah. it really is. You know, Duxbury. I, I do understand why, why he's frustrated about a lot of things going on at the, going on at the club. He, he also said he was lost for words when Roy Hodgson didn't acknowledge the Watford fans when their relegation was sealed at Selhurst Park and instead took the applause of the home crowd. And like, I mean, we, that we was bloody it absurd. It was, yeah. it was so so insulting to Watford, and you feel for those fans who clearly. But, Feels like they're just not respected by the people that come and work for them. Yeah, Roy gets away with a lot, actually. He, he really, does. That was he really, does. really poor. Especially when Marcus is in that seat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not today. 
Yeah, Watford aren't the only club with uh, with chairman issues. Um, there's a mad situation at Birmingham City involving one of Watford's former chairmen, obviously, because it's just law of averages, isn't it? Uh, Lawrence Bassini. So the club's largest shareholder, Vong Petch, recently announced the sale of his almost 22% stake in the club, but hasn't confirmed who it's gone to. Now, Lawrence Bassini has claimed that he's bought it and that the purchase will go through in the coming days. This is despite him previously serving a three-year ban from football and twice being declared bankrupt. Um, so he did the natural thing and called into Jim White and Simon Jordan's show on Talk Sports Clear the Air. And he said, it's quite true that I did serve a three-year ban where I was accused of dishonesty and lying. There will be a press conference where I'll be producing all the things that went on in the past at Watford and Bolton that will show all the skullduggery. Um, his own skullduggery. His, uh, well, by the sounds of it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true that I've been accused of all these these things. And it, it's, a, it's a strange way to... Um, to begin your, your your PR campaign, essentially, isn't it? To sort of prove that you're a trust, trustworthy person, just kind of calling into TalkSport and emotionally denying everything to and someone ranting. like Simon Jordan. Ranting. Simon Jordan, who has experience in this exact area. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, who yeah. can spot this sort of, you know, understand this stuff. And I said yesterday, Jim, Simon Jordan is worth his weight in gold to TalkSport or any broadcaster who we would be gracing at that point, I think, because he can just like forensically pick them apart yeah having said did. that yeah he did and having said that with Bassini I mean you've got more than enough ammo and he provides provides a lot of that in himself by well just, yeah he's gonna he's about to do a press conference yeah, yeah. And over yeah I, it's, it's it's remarkable that like when he started going on about oh we've already had people on uh you know people in St Andrews sort of uh looking at the stands builders how we're going to improve everything how we're going to improve the training facilities all you're being asked is where does the money come from? Yeah. Who are the other people? Yeah. What's actually happening? Because, you know, Birmingham City have been have been going through this horrible, horrible situation for a number of years now. And they just his argument seemed to be, Bassini's argument seemed to be whatever I am, I'm better than what they've got at the moment. Yeah. That's not an answer. That's not an answer to any of those very, very simple questions. No, but it is a football answer, isn't it? Like the yeah, reason yeah, he, yeah, someone like him is around football is because of that very thing where it's not about finding the best person for the job. It's about finding the better person for the job, isn't it? And especially when it comes to ownership and, and chairmanship, it's always a situation where they're basically just trying to play to the fans. Yeah. You know, look at Amanda Staveley and how that all panned out with with Newcastle. It's, it's mm. quite pathetic, really, isn't it? Mm. Because, you know, it's all completely disingenuous. And, yeah. and that's no surprise that he's doing, he's he's approaching it in this way. It still has to be done with an element of panache, though, doesn't it? Yes, like, I've yeah. got some builders to look at the stands. It's like, it's such a, it's such <laughs> a low a quote, level... I've got a quote yeah, from yeah. a couple of builders, yeah. <laughs> they say that, yeah, you can get loads of people in there, so we'll get some gate receipts. That'll be good. <laughs> Having said that, one thing I would like to see change at St Andrews, I remember the last time I worked there, I was in the... Um, I was in the commentary bit, and it's it's a pleasingly old school ground, but I, in in the in the in the commentary gantry, there's a ladder that goes down so you can get in and out of it, but it, it goes right down into the middle of the seats, right, which is really weird. So I remember I I had a a cameraman with me, and he started walking off at half time. I said, "Where are you going?" And he said, "Toilet." I said, "No, you're not." You can't, you can't put down the ladder while there are a load of no, people yeah. sitting there. So you know, you just had to hold some it. wobbly footage. After yeah, you that. have to, you have to, you have to wait until like sort of ten minutes after till yeah. everyone's cleared. So I don't know whether this will be sort of comforting or not to Birmingham City fans, but Bassini said, um, "I'm only going to come back to football for three years. Win, lose, or go up, I will leave football forever." 
in three years' time. One thing I can tell you is I will be better than the regime that is there now, as we've, as we've already touched upon. But that is, who on earth does he think he is? He's like doing one last heist. Like, it's, it's really, you get some strange egos in football. Very, the, 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 very. Re, the reasons for going into football are all about personal glory, it would seem, and in, in, in some of the, the worst cases. Mm. Um, and it, this very much looks like an example of that. So um, I'm in charge, so it's break time. <laughs> A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If I had an extra hour in the day, I might catch up on the latest football news, take a lovely walk with my dog Sammy, or maybe interview someone using an orange peel and a broken iPhone. You know, normal journalism stuff. But it's not always easy to prioritise our time, and that's where therapy can be an extra helping hand. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Untangle any unneeded worries and start to value your time. For you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ramble. How's your English accent? You know, because sometimes, you know, celebrities will live in England and then all of a sudden they come back with a little bit of an accent or some phrases. My English accent's all right, I oh. think. Oh, I can work on it a bit. It's really good. Who is? Who even is that? Pulisic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really good. It's brilliant, yeah. That, that's excellent. He sounds a little bit like Tom Holland. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe he's got a future in acting. I think US sports... Sports people tend to be quite good actors. When we've been talking about this earlier, yeah, when, well, when they, we, yeah. When they, if, they, if they're ever on screen, they seem to be better at our footballers. Anyway, it's time for some emails. Email from Hubert or Hubert. Hubert. I'm going to go with Hubert. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of colour locale around Van Hal slugging off De Kuyp. You probably know that De Kuyp is the stadion of Feyenoord, arch enemies of Ajax, with whom Van Hal has had some of his greatest successes. But things have become very civilised. On the day of the game against Wales, Van Hal found in the dressing room in De Kuyp a new espresso machine with a card attached to it. The card said, Dear Mr. Van Hull, we hope this coffee will taste better. Best of luck today, Team Stadion Feyenoord. Van Hull reacted pleasantly surprised, but concluded nonetheless that they are not doing this without reason. Maybe they agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> this pleasant exchange after an outright dig between fierce rivals makes me believe that football pieces around the corner, and personally, I am not ready for it. 
I'm not ready for it either. I, I don't know. That's still a that's still a barb from Louis, isn't it? That's yeah. Exactly what we expect from him. The um, I mean, at least he didn't throw hot coffee in your face. Yeah, that's exactly. why I thought that was going. Or, or get naked. <laughs> <laughs> we know he's always ready to do that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's funny actually. The count though, I, I guess AX fans won't feel this at all, but. I have not often fantasised about being a footballer. Even when I was a kid, I never really wanted to be a footballer, which I'm, I it's quite joy- You're quite joyless, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> but um, when I saw Brennan Johnson score at uh, DeKalb, I thought, that is a football stadium I would love to score at. Like a full DeKalb, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah I love um, when you watch games there and... Uh, I don't know which end it is, but from where the TV is, it's always a stand on your left behind the goal. It feels like they're always like falling onto the pitch. Yes. They're like right there. Yeah. I had that feeling in the Bernabeu. I was like, you know, obviously it's like the Death Star of football and Real Madrid are sort of like the, the kind of the, also like the, the old money empirical bad guys. Yes. But I got in there. I was like, sign me up. I want to play for Real Madrid. I'll like murder someone as the yeah. initiation ceremony <laughs> if I have to. I, I want to be a part of this. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, but I think that's quite a familiar feeling because you you can be like that with... Um, like, for example, I couldn't give a shit about the royal family, but if I went to Buckingham Palace, I'd be like, okay, this is pretty cool. Yeah. And I always think about that with, with someone like Real Madrid. Even the new Camp, to an extent, I know that there's something about that that seems a bit different. But um, I think with Real Madrid, it's the yeah. music when a goal yes. is scored. God, yeah. You it, are it being touched like by the anthem. hand of God yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of business, isn't it? Yeah. It, it must feel like an out-of-body experience. God, imagine it. Um, Andy Anonymous have been in touch with this again. Uh, yes. Uh, following on from your chat about drinking stubbies, Australian for a small bottle of beer, uh, whilst running the line, I feel obliged to give another Australian example of this. I was playing a heated cup game in Tasmania's social leagues when our bench pointed out to the ref that the opposition's linesman was drinking on the job. The ref paused the game to find a new assistant from the crowd and asked the gentleman to please leave the field of play. The gentleman wasn't best pleased by this series of events and launched, <laughs> launched a tirade, which could Concluded with him calling the referee a pedo and storming off before settling behind our bench and chipping off at our substitutes. This gentleman is also known to fill in and referee games when no ref has been rostered on. He does so without leaving the centre circle and with a can of Jim Beam in his hand. Hero or villain? Who can decide? I'm coming down on hero there, I think. Yeah, Why you, you can't he... be calling people pedos. No, you can't be doing no. that. But at the same time, why is he so passionate about running the line when he would clearly rather just be drinking? Yeah. And why is, it, why is he running actually, yeah. the line when he could be standing in the centre circle and not leaving it? Yeah. It's a strange place. It's Australia. a strange, strange place. Please yeah. keep your stories coming from Australia. They're never dull. It is show <laughs> at footballramble.com or tweet us at footballramble. So, it looks like Pochettino might finally be on his way out of PSG. Uh, at the start of the week, it was reported that PSG had reached an agreement to part ways with Pochettino. And as of yesterday morning, summer saying he has now been sacked. That is yet to be announced, but it does look like it's sort of finally inevitable. Yeah, they're you know they're trying to kill him like James Bond, aren't they? <laughs> just taking fucking ages. Yeah. I, I, I do enjoy a bit of painfully long contractual frolic, though. I mean, this is particular to coaches. Do you remember like when Sarri was leaving Napoli? And Ancelotti was arriving. Technically, for six weeks, they had two coaches. They had Sari and Ancelotti. Did he? Did the they do a handover? Well. It's like, right, this is where the stapler is. Yeah. Don't open that door. That's just full of cigarette butts. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's something that's at least chewed. <laughs> yeah. It's something that's more common now, isn't it? Now, I guess because of the sort of level that Paris run at, they don't want two coaches at the same time because now it tends to be 
that you carry on paying the coach rather than give yes. them a payoff. You carry yeah. on paying the coach until they get a new job. Like Schalke are in this situation at the moment. I love this story. So Demetrius Gromozis, who was um, fired before they got promoted last season, he has since, they've since appointed a new coach. They were second tier champions back up in the Bundesliga. They've appointed a new coach, Frank Kramer, who gets a million euros a year. Demetrius Gromozis has had a raise because they get promoted. So he gets 1.2 a year. So he gets paid more than their actual coach who's doing the coaching. Wow. And he gets paid 18 grand every time they win a game. <laughs> lovely, lovely old job. I would imagine that whoever comes into PSG will have a similarly lovely old job. But on, on Pochettino, he took over at the start of 2021, becoming just the third PSG coach to take them to the semi-final of the Champions League in their 11-year history. Um, but this season fell at the last 16. So, I mean, it, it ha- hasn't quite worked out for either party there really is it no it's been deeply unsatisfying for for both I I don't think there's any doubt about that I mean at least we know with this contractual thing when when he says I'll be cheering for them I'll be the biggest PSG fan in the world when I'm watching them on telly or whatever it'll be because he's getting a massive bonus every time they they, they, dance around the room his massive massive room yeah but I I was I was saying I think previously on here it's, it's a weird or maybe on OTC it's a weird situation that Pochettino's in because he's not as young as you think. Yeah, he's fifty. Yeah, he looks, he looks fantastic. He does. He looks amazing. He's got less grey than I have. He looks. He looks like he could still play a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. Whereas he's got an elite manager's level of pay. He's not got an elite manager's CV. No. Or experience. So I I don't think the where will he go next? And of course, these people have had some chats with Athletic Bilbao, so we'll, we'll see where that goes. But, you know, when, when Dortmund was suggested, you think he's kind of out of their their pay bracket. But that's the sort of job he should be going for, yeah, really, if yeah. that if that was available. So I think it's very, very difficult to to place him somewhere. Well, he's, he's, like a, he's like an actor who's who went hot, took a role that was a little bit too big, and now needs to kind of step down a bit and do like an indie. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean yeah. I mean at Southampton and, and at Spurs. What was what he was so good at was was building a side, wasn't it? And, yeah. and, and like shaping the culture around himself. It's so so difficult to do that at PSG. And so yet again, the sort of machinations of that club seem to have have been too difficult for a manager, given that their you know their their mo is to win the Champions League, which you know is, yeah, is so so difficult. That's right, Jim. And I think it was they went hard at the beginning on the fact that you know he's he's someone who played for PSG. He gets the club. It was a completely different club when he was playing there. Mm. You know, it yeah. might as yes. well be, yeah. it might as well yeah. be a different club Genuinely, in terms yeah. of ownership, outlook, aims, global projection. All of those sort of things were so so different. And yeah. I think you're he's a very short time into the job where you thought this is never going to work. He is like the worst possible coach for this sort of babysitting stars mm. project. Yeah, well, it, it, I I think it looked awkward. awkward beforehand didn't it like from mm. the, basically from the start I'd say because yeah. you know he he was hot at the time because of the Spurs stuff even you know hot enough to um the you know the last 12 months of Spurs actually didn't go particularly well yeah. you know obviously there's a Champions League final in the middle of that but you know it was it, there was signs of if not a decline certainly a need to refresh that group of players or certainly you know relay the messages he was giving them previously in a new way because it was starting to wear thin um yeah, I do wonder if he, if he's, if he's, well, I do wonder if him personally, if he's reignited his hunger for it 
through being at PSG? Because I can imagine like even just going about your day-to-day work as a manager at a club like that can be pretty unsatisfying. Yeah, it was, apparently it was the case that PSG were hoping that Man United would, would essentially appoint him last year to ensure they wouldn't have to pay up yeah. his, his contract. But, yeah. you, I mean, obviously they've chosen Ten Hag in the edits and it seems like they, he was very, very much available. But that, that ship has possibly sailed now. Yeah, but I suppose... It, to Man United. What, uh, do, you think, do, you think that, do you think that's dead in the water? Because it seemed one of those inevitable appointments. Yeah, they seemed to want yeah. Him. It seemed something that would fit. You know, well, 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 wait till we'll wait till October, where he's linked after Ten Hag loses his first few. <laughs> exactly. Few games exactly. Charge, yeah. I think it depends on how long Pochettino stays out of work. Because I yeah. think one of the things you you were saying how hot he was, Bish. At least he wasn't quite white hot when he took on the the no. PSG job because he'd been out of work into what was edging towards being a little bit too long. It was like way over a year. So it's like you have to take something and you have to take something of a certain profile. So it was like, you know, for the first like six to eight months after you're out of work, you know, your your reputation is augmented. People are like, oh, we miss that guy. Mm. Wasn't he good? Wasn't he brilliant at Tottenham? And then it it, it gets to a certain point where he's like, well, he's been out of work for more than a year now. What's wrong with him? Yes, exactly. So so you have to take something even though you know it's intrinsically unsuitable yeah. he is being linked with Athletic Bilbao but apparently Marcelo Bielsa could be in line for a return yes. there, so that's what we want to see that's I mean, what we want I don't think it's what their players want to see <laughs> they, 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 they remember how it ended there yeah because I remember that was when United played them and got battered yeah yeah, yeah. In, 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 in both those legs yeah so while we're on the section of the show that, uh, that deals with brutal dismissals, uh, Egypt's new national team coach was sacked live on air this week. Uh, Eheb Galal succeeded Carlos Queiroz two months ago, but a 2-0 defeat against Ethiopia in the AFCON qualifying last week left him under pressure. Gamal Alam, head of the Egyptian FA, decided to call into a popular TV talk show and said that two members of the FA board were looking at possible replacements, effectively sacking Galal live on air. He said, we are looking to correct our mistake. He explained that they hired him because they couldn't afford a foreign coach. I asked the man in charge of money at the Federation whether we had dollars in the safe to pay for another, pay for another foreign coach. He told me we didn't. Dollars in the safe? Yeah. That, that, that's the move on from the transfer chest. I like the idea of that, that you actually pay for a manager just with a briefcase full of money. Which I imagine actually a briefcase full of like even like a million dollars or whatever, it probably wouldn't look like that much, would it? It'd but be disappointing. I, I think I would say that, you know, briefcases full of money is pretty common in football. <laughs> <laughs> from what we've from what we've talked about on this show alone. Mm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe leather, this leather is... weekend bag. Yeah. I yes. Think. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Maybe this is more one for an athletic deep dive, but you do have to wonder <laughs> who who pays for the briefcase. Because they're not cheap. No, that's true, actually. Like, do you yeah. deduct the cost of the briefcase oh, from the yes. money in the in yes. the briefcase, or do you just suck it up? I think it's probably like a Slazenger tennis bag if it's Newcastle under Mike Ashley, isn't it? <laughs> Which we have no reason to think, you know, may be the case. They just they just use one of those big fucking mugs, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just rolled you up. You could fit a million in that, couldn't yeah. you? Yeah, you definitely could. So Galal reportedly learned of his dismissal as he was about to board a plane to Seoul for Egypt's friendly against South Korea. So he said goodbye to the players after the friendly, 4-1 defeat, and flew to the US for a holiday. Brilliant. That's exactly how you should do it. I, I love that you still went. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> this is. I always, you know, you talked about like uh, Parks being out of work. I always thought of, um, I thought immediately to Pep Guardiola when he took that sabbatical in New York, didn't he? Yeah. And he just like hung out in the US. With and Larry like, Kasparov. Yeah, <laughs> but I like the idea that like this just like. I'm at the airport. I've already packed my bag. I might as well go somewhere. Exactly, yeah. It's quite exciting, actually, yeah. isn't it? Just going to the airport and just seeing where it takes you. What a free spirit. Well, Absolutely. You, you, you just say you're going off for some 
duty-free cigarettes and just got on a plane somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier. Like, obviously, you, could, you quite literally couldn't do that now. <laughs> but the, the, I feel like there was a time in the 80s where, like, like as if you were sneaking into a, a movie that you hadn't paid to see, yeah. you could just, like, get on a plane. Or like your Macaulay Culkin get in, in Home Alone 2, getting on the wrong plane. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Couldn't happen now. Couldn't happen now. People could say goodbye to each other at gates in movies. Wouldn't happen now. Um, back to that game. Son Heung Min didn't score. And if you ask his dad, he's had a pretty underwhelming season, actually. He said his son isn't world class, must work harder and do 10% better. He then suggested that Son could have to leave Spurs in order to play for one of the world's top clubs. You're looking at that thinking, Dad, come on, surely. Yeah, I mean, he's like incredibly like, I could recognize that immigrant father energy. <laughs> I grew up with it. But um, he, he has touched on something interesting with Son. I have no idea why he's not linked to elite clubs. I agree. It never. Maybe it's Daniel Levy working his magic. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to be absolutely just chained to Spurs. Maybe he just likes it there. Maybe he's just he's genuinely really happy there. But, but, that would, no, that no, would no, stop no, people no one, wanting it. Yeah. No one's it? no one's yeah. really tested them, have they? No. Yeah. It's interesting. I I agree, and I think more clubs should be testing them for him. <laughs> Personally, yeah. I just like to see him flourish yeah, at one of the world's right. top clubs. Yes. Are you I all care for him in the same way his dad does? <laughs> Is that why you're wishing for the sinkhole the other day? <laughs> That's secret. That spell. Um, so there we are. That's it for today. Um, so thank you for joining us on the football ramble. Thank you, Vish. Lovely to see you. Thank you, Jim. What a brilliant job you did. You should do this more often. Thanks, Get rid mate. of that other chance at that Roy apologist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to tell it like it is. This is just the beginning, Andy. Lovely to see you. Likewise. Let's, uh, have, a, let's have a rewind soon. Absolutely. Uh, listeners, lovely to be in your ears. So uh, thanks for listening to the Football Rabble, part of the Acast Creator Network. Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.